storm in a teacup. Is this the most British argument ever? This is Fiorella de Maria bringing you the early show all the way from an almost sunny England. Should I say anything on the programme that strikes a chord, interests you, or heaven help me, causes you to choke on your vegetarian breakfast, please let me know. As always, our call-in telephone number is 844-527-8723. That's 844-527-8723. And the Crusader Stadium chat room is open for your commentary as well at crusadechannel.com forward slash chat. Yes, indeed, this has got to be the most British argument ever. And here to discuss it, it being a Friday, is the wonderful Sarah Taylor. Good morning, Sarah. Good morning, Fiorella. Great to be with you this morning. Yes. It looks um, Cambridge, actually. Yeah, it is sort of trying to be sunny here. It was very foggy this morning, really autumnal, but the sun is really trying to come out. So if it's come out over Cambridge, it might come out over the southeast of England, or this bit of the southeast of England. Anyway, uh, you are well. You look you look as if you've been enjoying the sunshine. Yes, uh, well, working hard, but um, yeah, we're we're having the last the last little gasp of summer over here. I think we always get the sunshine first in East Anglia, and yeah. then it gets redistributed a bit. Hopefully, afterwards. Uh, indeed. <laughs> Denise um, in the chat room is saying, I'm still trying to get my husband to agree to go to New England in October. His mum is in Maine, but my siblings are in Rhode Island and plan would include attending the conference. Aha, right. So far, he's adamantly refusing. You keep pestering, Denise. Go on. Yes. Tea. Are you a tea drinker, Sarah? Yes, I am a tea drinker. Um, I find tea kind of soothing. Um, I learned to appreciate coffee when I lived in Belgium. So I appreciate coffee for the big caffeine shot in the morning. Um, but there's something soothing about tea and it's never a bad response in any dire catastrophe to go and put the kettle on, is it? Yeah. I always start my day with a coffee just to, it's, it's a bit like a big slap in the face first thing in the morning. Yes. <laughs> um, at, at, at half past four in the morning, I need something to wake me up. Uh, but I have recently started taking ginger shots. Mm, yeah. Okay. Um, and that really does feel like somebody's sort of throwing cold water all over you or something. It's a big shock is, to the system. Is, is that a good? It doesn't sound uh, pleasant. It's actually it's, surprisingly invigorating. It's a bit like taking a cold shower. It's like why would you do that to yourself? But in fact, it leaves you feeling, leaves you buzzing. Yes. Um, yes. Yes. But the tea I usually have a little bit later. Afternoon tea. Mm. It's a very nice way to relax. But PG tips. Um, has caused a massive storm in a teacup by claiming it has developed a new blend that gives a more flavorful and refreshing drink in only 60 seconds. And purists are saying, and the president of the European Speciality Tea Association has said, this is disgraceful. 60 million pounds worth of investment to create a fast brew 60 second teacup. I could do that for free, just jiggle it about in the teacup, you know, and it brews in half the time. Quality cannot be rushed, nor can the brewing <laughs> of a premium tea. Um, apparently, this is an attempt at catching the, uh, you know, the market for people who are in a hurry. 100 million cups of tea are drunk every day in Britain, hmm. according I to the UK Tea and Infusions Association. And this is trying to help those who are a bit more hasty in the morning do you have a firm view on this uh i think this is the very definition of a storm in a teacup 
Yeah. It's, 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 it's being described as an insult to tea time. The UK Loose Leaf Tea Company. I had no idea there were so many tea associations in Britain. I mean, I, I'm, they're probably all at daggers drawn as well. Yeah, you're that, you missing know, out. We're missing out on these things. Yes. Um, <laughs> did, he claims that George, George Butlin, director, you can make it up, director of the UK Loose Leaf Tea Company, said that trying to shorten the time of brewing is, in my opinion, an insult to tea time. Um, <laughs> it's, a, it, yeah. it's a backward step. Our enjoyment well, lies in the deliberate three or four minutes it takes to prepare an authentic cup of tea, allowing us to relish the serene essence it imparts. Well, I have to agree with him. Did you say Butlin? What a great name. Yes, George um, Butlin. I agree with George Butlin. Um, couldn't be named better for the president of the Tea Society. But yes, I, I do agree with him because it's all about having that little moment of relaxation. Um, and if you're watching the clock to the nearest second, uh, it just doesn't sound relaxing to yeah, me. That's what it was. Why are you making tea then? There's actually a Noel Coward song, I think, Everything Stops for Tea. The whole yeah. idea is, you know, that, that this is exactly it. It's, um, in fact, Diaz Ayub, Ayub the uh, managing director of the Tea Group, who organises National Tea Day, yeah. um, says tea time is an experience and an art. Looking back at our British history, one must respect the time-honoured technique and ritual that tea requires. And in fact, it's not just Britain that has tea rituals. Yes. Um, you know, yes. it's uh, over you know, China um, and right across the Far East, across the Arab world. The making of tea is something special. And this is exactly your point, I think, is that it's supposed to be something that takes time. It's not supposed to be something where you, you dump a bag in a teacup. Um, no, absolutely. We protest. Um, but I do. Yeah, I think this is actually an interesting point because it's important to kind of take moments in the day to pause and to connect with other people. And that's a very fashionable thing to say now, you know, take a moment for mindfulness or something. Mm. Actually, it always has been important. We're human beings, we're not machines. Um, we need little pauses and we need to connect with one another. And often that happens over a beverage. Mm -hmm. <laughs> because that gives you just a nice little structure and a nice little ritual in your day as well as enjoying the taste of the tea mm. um during the pandemic when we were in strict strict lockdown and it was just my landlady and i in the house it was before i bought my house um i was working so hard and i didn't feel isolated because i was you know constantly in online meetings and video calls I felt I had hundreds of people coming at me, which is how I often feel on a yes. working day. Um, but for my retired landlady, of course, it was completely different. I was just shut away in my bedroom and I was the only other person in the house. So we developed this little ritual, which was coffee, because my landlady was Dutch. So Dutch coffee at mm -hmm. 11 o'clock. And my colleagues soon all learned to not schedule any meeting because no... I'm drinking coffee with Elsa. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, no, it's, and it's important. And it, and it would have certainly kept your spirits up. You have some conversation. Um, absolutely. Would you believe the BBC has even interviewed an emeritus professor of chemistry from the University of East Anglia to talk about the best advice? 
the how oh to produce it. This is so funny. This is this is just this is a classic. But this is the point. It's it's not just an argument about tears. It's an argument about how we use our time. Um, in the chat room, Maggie is saying to oh, others is to Denise, um, keep the pressure up. The um, what does NH stand for? Sorry, this is really embarrassing. The NH conference is amazing. You'll get wonderful talks, but there are so many crusaders that go. The food is also amazing. Dwight saying maybe pray to Our Lady of Sorrows today, Denise, to change his mind. Um, Maggie's saying there are also things for him to do if he doesn't want to sit for the talks. The little town isn't far away from the centre. He could spend a day in town. I they have covered yeah. bridges that are stunning. Covered bridges. Oh, covered bridges that are stunning. Antique stores and really cute little cafes. The cafes sound perfect. Maggie, is there a tea shop or a tea rooms there? Denise is saying he would have Jacob with him, so just about any place that keeps him calm and interested. Um, good morning, Dr. Torres. Um, Denise um, saying, I pray the seven sorrows every day. Oh, New Hampshire. New Hampshire conference. Sorry. Yes. Oh, um, I would have guessed New Hampshire. One one small point to Sarah. We don't we don't know very much of um, American geography, but it's I'm, nice I'm to learning. get one sometimes. Exactly. We're learning. <laughs> yes. Michigan is the one like the glove. OK. It looks like a glove on the map. That's one of the only ones I know. Um, oh, hang on a second. Uh, just a minute. Maggie said, well, there is not a tea shop there. Oh, but there's a cafe called Bacon Me Crazy. Okay. That sounds, sounds interesting. interesting. Um, oh, <laughs> it's nice for some and not for others. Bacon, bacon cafe. Bacon candy, bacon syrup, bacon <laughs> bourbon, all things bacon. I might oh. just, a bacon sandwich maybe. I could probably cope with a bacon, a bacon sandwich. Oh, gosh. The concept of bacon with something sweet, we don't really do that here. We have bacon with really delicious things like mushrooms mm. or tomatoes or toast. Yes, <laughs> or eggs. Or eggs, indeed. Yeah. Classic pair. Um, um, well, Jacqueline, Jacqueline, you're being asked a question in the chat room. Dr. Torres wants to know, are you a public school teacher and what level you teach? Elementary, middle, middle, high. Sorry, when I hear public school, I think private school. Um, just a chaotic way. Uh, bacon. Yeah, I oh, yes, Denise reckons his husband would like bacon. I'm not sure we should be talking about bacon on a Friday, should we? Is that even allowed? Um, mm -hmm. <laughs> it's... <laughs> It's 20 minutes past the hour you are listening to The Early Show with your hostess Fiorella De Maria and my wonderful guest Sarah Taylor. If you have missed the show so far, never fear, you can get the whole of The Early Show as a podcast. Same day from crusademax.com. And we have been talking about a storm in a teacup, possibly the most British fight ever. PG Tips has announced it has brought out a new brand of tea that makes a perfect brew in just 60 seconds. And... Every tea organization and union you could possibly imagine, and there are a lot of them here, are up in arms saying this is a disgraceful insult to the very concept of tea time. You know, Do you have an opinion? I would not be surprised if PG Tips just stirred up this storm in the metaphorical teacup on purpose because they're getting a lot of publicity out of this and... They know they the argument will never end. It's one of those topics. Don't get people started. Yeah. yeah well, exactly. I mean, I mean, and I think a lot of the time it's a bit like when they announced that Roald Dahl's books were going to be changed. And then at the last minute said, oh, actually, they're not going to be after all. It yeah. did mean that Roald Dahl was all over the papers for days. Yeah. While this was being yeah. talked about. Yeah. So I th this might be a cunning plan. Um, <laughs> 
I have noticed here it is also today it's National Online Learning Day, National Tackle Kids Cancer Day, National Cheese Toast Day, National Double Cheeseburger Day, National Linguini Day and National POW Re- Recognition Day. Well, um, that's quite a range, isn't it? From it's a huge back. range. Ridiculous. Um, um, I mean, how can you possibly think about linguine and double cheeseburgers on the same day? I'm not sure that's allowed. And POW is getting kind of stuck in there. Yeah. Uh, right in there with everything else. I don't know. Um, Who speculates these days? <laughs> it's, also, it's also National Make-A-Hat Day. Okay. Um, I, can, mm. I, I mean, do you, do you wear... Do you, with a paper hat. <laughs> paper hats maybe knitted hats I, mean, I don't know does anyone even wear hats anymore do, do you wear a hat winter oh, yeah, i wear a hat in the winter yeah yeah you know, apart from, warmth. yeah um apart from in the winter and actually I, I feel we spoke about this before i like to wear a large summer hat i don't actually have one at the moment but i just like the idea of it um mm. Because I burn easily. So, you know, yes. a really well, wide brimmed 19th century hat. It has to go with a white, beautiful dress, of course. Mm-hmm. Um. Yes. <laughs> yes, the whole the whole look, the whole look. Um, oh, Lady Bellamine, you're on my way to my secondary school. Uh, right, yes, indeed. And Jacqueline is saying, I teach at an SSPX Associates Academy. I teach 7th, 8th grade homeroom, language arts, history, science, geography, and I teach ninth and 10th maths and science. It's a small school. We went from 70 last year to 100 students this year. Well, if it's growing, it's great. Um, there was a school started by Opus Dei in London, or just outside London, in Croydon. Some years ago, they started with just one form, and they're now a full school with a sixth form and everything. So it can, it can happen, and it's great. Um, Maggie, what is that? You just put it into the chat room. It's like salad. Oh, it's the bacon cafe. <laughs> it's, a, it's a bacon salad and two pieces of lettuce. Yes, very it's funny. It's a yes. box of bacon with two bits of lettuce in it. Yeah. Okay, gotcha. <laughs> Let's move on to linguine, shall we? Well, I tell you what, in fact, I'm not sure if this is a good thing or not. It's been a mixed blessing. It's also the birth today of, uh, well, it's the birthday of Agatha Christie. So... Yeah. An important day for me, and any crime writer should be um, paying homage to the uh, the great queen of crime. But it's also the birth of the mail order industry. How interesting. And when was it born? Well, it was born in 1871. Britain's first international mail order business was begun by the Army and Navy Cooperative. They published their first catalogue in 1872, but they first started sending out goods in this way in 1871. So we now we all use mail order one way yeah. or another all the time, but it, it only started properly in 1871. I want to ask the question, would you be prepared to stop buying things by mail order? Would you be prepared to stop buying things online forever? If it, if it were better for the environment, if it were better for your local community, could you resist the temptation to order something in the post? Oh, 
Over to you first, Fiorella. <laughs> and I asked the question. I asked the question. Yeah, what, um, <laughs> hang on a second. Um, oh, just you a minute. Uh, yeah, actually, I tell you what, while you're thinking about it, while you're pondering it, Jacqueline is saying, after yeah. my discouragement the other day, I received this little note anonymously on my board. When I was out of the room, it was completely random. And it's, Mrs... Mrs. Smart, you are my favourite teacher. Oh, Jacqueline, that is lovely. That is so nice. Don't you? You, you um, just take that to your heart. That that obviously w was a message from the heart. So I think that's absolutely lovely. Yes, um, Sarah, Jacqueline yeah. had a rather unpleasant. In fact, I don't know if this even happens in Britain. Is there any school in Britain that has open house where parents can come in and watch the teachers teaching? I've never heard of that. No. Um. um... It sounds I, like it sounds a nightmare. Yes, well, um, it sounds nice in theory, doesn't it? Because yeah. parents and teachers should be collaborating. But thinking how that would actually work in practice, I immediately would envisage it being a nightmare. Uh, is that how it in fact turned out? Uh, it was a difficult day, I think, for Jacqueline. Yes. So, um, yes, and Denise is saying, Jacqueline, the only reason I wish I was in Florida, no such Catholic traditional schools near me. Maggie's asking, could I still order online and have them put the stuff in my car? I really, really hate shopping inside. Oh, yeah, we have ah. that in our supermarkets, don't we? Click so and click and collect. collect. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> click and collect. <laughs> okay, so do you think click and collect is a kind of compromise? Mm, I mean, I don't use click and collect just because it, for me, it would be a laziness tax. You know, I'm perfectly capable of walking around the shop on my own two legs. Um, there's really no reason to ask someone else to do that for me. It might be very useful for someone who's disabled. Um, could I prevent myself buying online? I want to say yes, because I actually like the idea of supporting, you know, the local economy. And also, I think buying online can lead you to being very materialistic very quickly because it gives you this kind of illusion that you can have whatever you want, whenever you want, as though you were a prince or something. I don't know. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> whatever your little heart desires. Yes, yes, like 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 Aladdin with the genie. Um, but then again, there's sometimes you just can't find the thing that you need in your local area. So what would you do? I don't mm -hmm. know. Yeah, a special I mean, thing, you know. I mean, certainly growing up in a very small town with very few shops, and it now has virtually no shops with the death of the high street. Yeah. Um, it would have been so much easier to be able to get things online. But, of and, course, um, had you done that, it would have speeded up the death of the high street. Mm. Well, you, you, already, you, you, you already had catalogues. You already had the mail yeah. order thing. But, yes, I suppose maybe, maybe there's, there's two ways of looking at it. Jacqueline saying open house was not a problem. It was the administration the day before. Uh -huh. yeah. oh. um, well, well, I have um, I have an interesting school-related, educational-related issue here because, um, as many of you know, in Britain, um, school uniform is quite a thing. Most schools have a uniform, and not just schools. You know, most organisations, the Scouts, you know, the Brownies, you know, most have a uniform, and there's very little talk in Britain about getting rid of uniform because it's generally regarded as being a very good thing, uh, particularly as a social leveller. Everyone has to wear the same, so children can't try to outmanoeuvre one another buying designer clothes and things like that, and poorer children don't get shamed. We've talked about this before on the show, about the advantages. However, there is a bit of an argument brewing 
about the extent to which uniform should be specific to a school with the cost of living crisis there are families who are struggling to buy uniform for their children when i bought my older son's first secondary school uniform i was out of pocket by about 250 pounds by the time i bought blazers and ties and branded school um pe kits and the school shoes themselves it cost nearly 50 pounds and for some it is quite a struggle now some schools get around this by having very successful second-hand shops where you can buy uniform at a very, very much discounted rate. But others are really ramping up the costs. And certainly when we were children, state schools or government schools or public schools, as you call them in the States, um, had uniforms, but they were usually uniforms where you could buy them from the local supermarket if necessary. They were quite plain, usually grey trousers or pinafores or skirts, um, blue or white shirts, a jumper, a certain colour jumper. And the only branded thing we had to buy, which you could only buy from one outfitter, was the tie, the school tie, because it had a particular uh, pattern on it. But everything else you could buy anywhere. So it kept the costs right down. But a lot of government schools over here now, they're introducing more and more branded things. So, for example, my children's secondary school, they have their own specific blazer, tie, trousers, school bags. They're, all their PE kit, all their sports kit is branded, including the socks that have a special stripe on them that you can only buy. And you can only buy them from one outfitter, which does make it very expensive. Is there something to be said, Sarah? I know we're, we're more or less in agreement about uniform for saying that there should be limits placed on the amount of branded items state schools can demand that parents buy. Yeah, I don't see why one would not want to limit it. It does start to feel slightly like some sort of scam, doesn't it? When you have to even buy sports socks mm. <laughs> from only a particular place. I mean, why? That's not helping with the, the your children's sense of identity or self-esteem or cohesion. You know, that's a bit excessive, perhaps, one might say. Um, so, yeah. Yes, I would be in agreement. In fact, I think that in the 70s and the early 80s, not all state schools had school uniform in this country. When I first started school, there was no school uniform. You just really? anything. Yeah. And that changed while I was at school. So wow. during the late 80s, they brought in school uniform. Um that's interesting yeah. because what I've noticed over here is that um, not only is uniform enduringly popular among parents, maybe not among children, but among parents, is that it's being introduced all over the place. For example, uh, when my children went to nursery school, which is the preschool from you know three to four, three to five, before you start primary school, when they first started, there was no uniform. Obviously, this went in their, their, um, their mufti. But by the time my youngest child went to nursery, there was an optional um, uniform. It was just a polo shirt. It was a yellow polo shirt and a red sweatshirt with the logo of the school, of the nursery yeah. school on it. And in fact, there was quite a big uptake. A lot of people bought it because it was just easier. Yeah. You didn't have to sort of faff yeah. about in the morning and you could just put them straight into it. It was comfortable. It was cheerful. The idea was it got them used to the idea of wearing a uniform so if anything, I felt uniform was was being introduced all over the place. I'm amazed, in fact, that there was not always uniform because oh, yeah, no, we're so I used think, to it. 
I think your perception is correct. I think uh, we're talking, you know, quite a few decades ago now. I imagine, I, and I believe it was after, it was when comprehensive education was introduced in this country, which was an idea of the late 60s, early 70s. Mm. And yes, just, just of, to... um. Yeah, just to explain a little bit about comprehensive education, right up until the 60s, um, you went to grammar school if you passed your 11 plus, which was very academic, or you went to secondary modern if you failed your 11 plus and it was more technical. In the 60s, they started combining the two into what they then called the comprehensive school system. And that's what you're you're referring to there, yes, Sarah. Yes, so kind of a sea change in the educational environment. And I think, I think Uniform went out when those new schools and, you know, new ways of thinking were introduced. But it definitely came back in again because, you know, sometimes when you get rid of something is when you really perceive mm -hmm, Absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> listen, we've got to go to an ad break now, but do stay tuned. You are listening to The Early Show with Fiorella de Maria and Sarah Taylor. Our call-in telephone number is 844-527-8723. That's 844-527-8723. And the chat room is open for your commentary and pictures at crusadechannel.com forward slash chat. Do talk to us. Do join the conversation. The early show will continue in a few moments here on the Crusade Channel. Live talk radio the way it should be. Catching the show's rebroadcast at midday. Those of you just joining us, you are listening to The Early Show with your hostess from across the pond, Fiorella de Maria. Our call in telephone number is 844-527-8723. That's 844-527-8723. And the Crusader Stadium chat room is open for your commentary as well at crusadechannel.com forward slash chat. Do join in the conversation as you enjoy an abstemious Friday breakfast, which definitely does not involve bacon. Um, I have with me the lovely Sarah Taylor. Good morning, Sarah. Thank you for sticking with us. Hello. Thank you for having me, Fiorella. Some other people have answered your tricky question on mail order in the chat. I have seen this. Yes, the, the chat room is veritably buzzing now. Um, hang on a second. I'm getting... I'm getting cross messages. I can never quite work out how to manage the chat room when um, lots of different messages come up. Hang on. Yes, um, Dr. Torres is saying, um, I was just the other day talking about life in the, the late 80s and early 90s, particularly the mystery of ordering by mail. You knew what you were ordering, but you never really knew what it would look like in person, whether you'd like it or anything. Um, there's the mystery of never knowing when your purchase would be delivered. Sometimes it could be four <laughs> to six weeks. You'd have yeah. forgotten about it, yes. You're so right, Dr. <laughs> yeah, and the arrival will be a surprise. That was apps and internet and yeah. <laughs> I hadn't sort of thought about that, that you you would order things and then forget all about them. And um, you know now you have a notification. Your driver has your parcel. 
Yes, you can, yeah. you can track it on a little map on your smartphone. Your driver. It's true, these things we forget. We, of course, didn't have that in the 80s and 90s, yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, Jacqueline's saying about open house. In reality, it wasn't they were doing anything wrong. It's just they asked me to do so much. I don't know how to say no, and I get overwhelmed. Oh, Jacqueline, yeah. I feel for you, and you must know that's a very common uh, affliction. <laughs> for people who are competent and conscientious and people-oriented people, learning how and when to say no is yeah. going to be one of your top skills in life. And it's easy for me to say, it's always very easy to tell other people, but I've spent most of my life learning that very yeah. important skill. Yeah, and I think I think you, having been a teacher, this was, uh -huh. yeah, it, it is, it's true. You, know, you, you want to you want to do well and you want to do good for the, the people you're working with, don't you? I mean, it's, yeah. it's reasonable. Um, Maggie saying, purchasing online helps prevent unnecessary purchases. When I'm in the store, my self-restraint is tested. I tend to randomly purchase things I don't really need. Now, that is a very interesting point, Maggie, because my assumption was, and when we were talking about this before, before the break, is that when you can purchase online, you overspend and you overbuy. But in fact, perhaps the opposite is true. You have something you need. You specifically get it. Whereas when you go into the supermarket, before you know it, oh, there's a special offer there. Oh, I'll get some cereal. I'll get some, you know. Oh, that's really interesting, isn't it? I think we all, the way that we're all different and we all have different psychologies. Um, yeah, because to me, I'm more likely to overspend online um because I think it feels a bit more remote just mm. click, click click and you haven't actually handed over money to a person it has yeah. just been you know extracted from your bank account to yeah. me I'm more likely to overspend that way but that's so interesting it's good when we can use online you know as a tool that helps us yeah that's that's a very interesting point I have to say mm -hmm. Maggie I'm rather with you on that because when I go if I do my supermarket shopping online I'll have a list of things they do try to get you to buy extra stuff things will flash up saying we've got this on special offer we've got that on special offer but it's slightly easy just to go click click and get rid of it whereas I will admit when I'm walking down those supermarket aisles my eye will be drawn to buy one get one free or something and I will always end up with stuff in the trolley I never intended to buy I have to be absolutely honest about that I always come out of the supermarket with stuff I never I never intended that was not on my shopping list yeah mm. I mean I sometimes come out with things that weren't on my shopping list but because I forgot them <laughs> when I was well, yeah. I remembered you know I think if you genuinely need it it's okay but uh yeah, supermarkets, of course, they're very good at trying to catch our attention. And well, do you know the whole structure of supermarkets is it surrounds making sure people buy as much as possible? Yes, I heard you that. The way, way they, know, the way they put things, yeah. Yes, exactly. And when you know the system, you can beat the system. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think they now aren't allowed. They used to always put the sweeties and the chocolate bars and things by the checkout. So they at, at eye level of small children... So that when children were waiting bored at the checkout, they'd start reaching out for a chocolate bar. I yeah. think they had to change that. But I complained uh, once at a at a chemist, pharmacist. Um, I was at the checkout and they had the condom packets there. Oh, okay. And my, ch and my, my little child, as she was then, started pulling them off the shelf. And I took them out of her hand and put them on the counter. So what do you think you're doing? Ha, ha, ha. All very funny. So this is not what a family store does. Yeah. You know, what, what, do you, what do you think you're doing? This is not a joke. 
you know, some teenage girl behind the counter thought it was hilarious. So, um, yes, they do definitely try to get you to, to buy stuff, depending on where it is. You get you get um, manipulated. But Maggie's saying I get distracted by pretty cool things in the store that I see, like, oh, look at that beautiful plate setting on the shape of, in the shape of a fish. Um, <laughs> I must have that. Online, I don't see that fish plate set. <laughs> exactly. That's my point. Exactly. You know, you discover all these things you, you never knew you needed and wanted when you're in the supermarket. Oh, um, that's funny, Maggie. <laughs> that's making me laugh. <laughs> Jacqueline's, Jacqueline's saying, um, yeah, back to what you're saying about being you're competent and, and burning out. Our school, um, oh, hang on. Um, just a minute. Yes, that the vice principal told me this past summer when you're competent, you get relied on a lot. Problem is sometimes you get burned out. And Maggie's saying that happens in any job, not just teaching. Being competent means you get a bigger workload. So yes, yeah. the conscientious people of this world need to need to be more self-aware. You know, you just because burnout it's is a problem. Really funny. I was having exactly this conversation with my friend yesterday as we did a full day of work. You know, preparing for the um the catechism teaching we do, which we love and we're happy to do mm-hmm. that work. Um. But yeah, I was, I find that I can get very frustrated with people who are disorganized because Mm -hmm. my experience of somebody else being really disorganized is they are being lazy and they don't bother because they know I'm going to pick up the slack and they can just not bother to do a crucial thing because they know I'm conscientious and, and I'll do it. So, you know, it feels like being treated as someone's servant or it just doesn't feel good. But I think the older I get, the more I realise that actually some people, it's not just laziness. They really genuinely struggle mm. with being organised. Um, yeah. And it's, you know, we have to try and understand where one another are coming from on that. But when you're the organised person, yeah, you definitely have to learn to say no, as you said, Jacqueline, or to allow something to fail, you know. Yeah. Well, but, we, we have we have the expression here, don't we, that a willing horse gets the heaviest load. Yeah. You know, um, yes. So yes, you always have to be, you know, balance it somehow or other. Um, Jacqueline talking also about you know, the, the issue of school uniform. Our school only has monogram shirts and PET shirts. You can actually buy most of the basic uniform at Walmart or Target nowadays, plus a lot of the parents donate outgrowing clothes. That's a really good system. And I think it's a very good way of dealing with uniform. I'm all in favour of uniform, but I'm also aware of the need to keep costs down. And secondhand shops can be very good places because the fact is, particularly with younger children, they grow out of things so quickly uh, that, you know, a school blazer, you you can spend 40, 50 pounds on that and they'll be out of it in a year and it'll still, you know, be virtually as good as new. Well, speaking of storms in a teacup, Fiorella, um, a friend of mine uh, they almost had an enormous family rift. Well, they did have an enormous family rift. I think they've made it up. But over this very topic, she has two young children. One's eight months, uh, two girls, eight months and two years old. And she's been buying secondhand clothing for the reasons exactly you say. Um, it just makes sense. Children grow out of things very quickly. Mm-hmm. So the secondhand things are hardly worn anyway. But apparently her mother-in-law thought that this was absolutely beyond the pale and it meant the children were neglected and dressed really? in bags. <laughs> all, all my children, my I mean, with four children, the younger children wore the hand-me-downs from the older ones and quite often yes. 
the older ones had secondhand clothes from other people. I mean, I was very fortunate. There was there was a lady, she was French Algerian and she grew up in Paris and bought all her children's clothes from Paris. She had two girls. Yeah. And they had a wardrobe full of the nicest, chicest French fashions, um, which, of course, they grew out of very quickly and got yeah. passed on to my girls. So yeah, my well, girls, sec- your girls. Yeah. <laughs> secondhand clothes, but really nice quality. Yeah. Um, you know, I suppose co- somebody has to do the buying new so, <laughs> to get into the system. <laughs> yeah. um, but no, almost everything my children wore as children, uh, as, as younger children, were secondhand. Um, and I just... I don't yeah. get it, you know. Um, it's and interesting. I wonder if this is a cultural thing. You said this was an Algerian lady in Paris, and um, the mother-in-law also is not originally from Europe. Mm. I wonder if there's some sort of cultural assumption. You know? I suspect there is, because somewhere like Malta, until relatively recently, you did not get second-hand shops or thrift stores, uh-huh. as they're called in the states. I mean, they just—it was unheard of. Um, and I'm sure it was because there was a certain stigma that is associated with poverty or whatever. Whereas now you get them all over the place. And you've had such shops in Britain for years. I mean, I always remember them. Yeah. Um, so, But, you know, when I was a child, my mother would never have bought something in a secondhand shop. Um, Interesting. So she had the yeah. same she didn't mind going to things like car boot sales and um, jumble sales and things like that but she wouldn't have been seen walking into a second-hand shop whereas now she wouldn't have a problem with it she's acclimatized she's yeah. assimilated so yes I'm sure it is partly cultural um hang on sorry I'm way behind in the chat room um oh Maggie is saying in college during my dietetics classes we learned that grocery stores use the ends of aisles to place the highest profit margin products it's typically things you don't need and aren't good for you so yes this is this isn't my imagination I'm sure I'd read it somewhere this is what yes. they do but um, I said that as well Maggie and that the best value or cheapest is on the very bottom in the middle mm. so once you know that you know where to head Exactly. <laughs> Cheat the system. A PDCCO is saying many of the things I purchase are only available online. Well, yeah. this, is the other thing. this is this is the thing, isn't it? And certainly, I mean, as a writer, online shopping is a godsend for me. You know, it, mm. it, none of my books would be available in the UK if it wasn't for being able to get things by mail order. And yes, if you've got more niche interests, um, I mean, all the second hand, I'm sorry, second hand, let me start again, all the left handed gear i own that makes life easier for left-handers i buy online when i was a child it was really difficult to get hold of things like left-handed scissors and things like that because there was one shop yes you could do things by mail order but you know it took ages and there was a very limited range now you know you can buy things things you need very quickly so yes i think this is um there's there's pros and cons as there is for most things and big announcement here king dude welcome new brother catholic pdcco he and his wife jane were received into holy mother church on the exaltation of the cross ah oh welcome yeah welcome welcome home says maggie welcome indeed to you and your wife that's lovely big congratulations coming into the chat room from yeah. Paul C. That's that's beautiful. Um, but yes, this whole issue of you know of the cost of uniform and um, the reason this suddenly flared up. I mean, at this time of year, every year, there's always a big argument online about this um, or yeah. in the press because there'll be some incident of some school getting heavy-handed. Now, my children's school always cracks me up. Every um every September, the head teacher writes an incredibly polite letter. 
yeah. reminding parents, could you just check, please, that your children's uniform still fits? Because you know, girls do grow over the summer and their, sh- their skirts might be a bit short. <laughs> we don't want that. And it's, it's a very yeah. polite way of saying, can you stop your children dressing like tarts, please? Um, you know, and it's, it's all put it in terms of... more blunt, non-English yes. translation. Yeah, non English mannered English language translation. Yeah, that's what, that's what he's sort of saying is your girls trying to wear school yeah. skirts so short that they're, they're practically not decent. Um, but yes, in this case, it was the Holderness Academy in Hull. Right. Um, who they were accused of punishing a girl, putting a girl in isolation because she was wearing a skirt bought from Asda, which oh, was, even no. though it was identical. I, that yeah. immediately makes me think the journalist is twisting the story surely not I've been a teacher I cannot imagine that actually being the case I can imagine someone putting the story around because they have really got the hump about being punished I I put my money on it wasn't really about that well they've they've put photographs up on online of the Asda skirt and the Rawcliffe's outfit as a skirt they do look almost exactly the same um, but yes. one of them, one of them, it's two two skirts for five pounds. The other one costs twenty three pounds each. Um, it's a it's a tricky one. I don't I don't know. Maybe, maybe there is more to it than is being is being told here. The school has said, you know, please tell us if you're struggling with uniform. Um, we think it's important. I don't know. I think maybe there is something maybe you're right though maybe 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 i'm not being cynical enough here perhaps there's something maybe i'm too cynical it would be appalling if it were true (laughs) i mean at my children's school if they come in in the wrong uniform they are put in isolation until it's rectified and you get a phone call but really it's just a wrong brand of a colored this is where i just wonder a bit Mm. yeah i mean at primary school i found they were a lot more reasonable i mean we had an occasion occasion once where um some school ties for primary school sometimes they're not they're their clip-on or they have a little elastic they're not proper ties that you tie up because little children sometimes find them quite difficult to tie and they had these ones with you know you've just got a sort of pre-folded tie with a um like a bit of elastic that goes under the collar and one occasion after school my son was playing around with it and he pinged it out of the window as we were oh driving gosh, along I could imagine that Fiella yeah I can see it in my mind's eye right now yeah and off it went and Bless um, their little cotton socks these things yeah, happen <laughs> Nicholas's face was absolutely priceless <laughs> I mean mommy my tie <laughs> it's gone um and they they were usually pretty understanding at the school if something like that happened and found it very funny but yes at secondary school it gets a lot more serious um oh here yeah. um little mean- stories is, mm, go on sorry so I'm going back to homework, uh, uniform. I, I can understand um, being strict about uniform. It does make sense because teenagers in particular, you know, they're going through their rebellious phase. When they want to rebel, there's a phrase, keep the battle at the outposts. Yeah. It also applies to our spiritual life, but it also applies to the material world. And mm-hmm. so insisting that you do up your shirt right up to the top and you wear your tie properly and you pull your skirt down and those sorts of things Mm. while they seem minor in themselves what they're actually doing is asserting yes I am the adult and when you test yes you are going to get a response and so it basically maintains a structure of discipline um, which is good for everybody 
but 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 to be pernickety over the branding uh, it's just hard to believe because it's going too far basically <laughs> yeah well i think i think you're right it's, it's what they in the army they talk about discipline and small things yeah um, that's why you know have to have your shoes polished and make your bed and stuff like that. It's it's not it's yeah. not that it's not that this matters more than everything else. It's it's as you say it's part of the keeping the battle at the outposts. Um, Doctor Torres has a tip for Jacqueline. Um, oh, using chatbot, chat GPT. Oh, that's, that's a little controversial, perhaps. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we don't need teachers anymore. We can just ask. Chat well, this GPT. is this is to this is Tell to take away some everything. <laughs> this is just a take to take away the pressure being being expected to write a homework policy for the school. Uh, the chat, yeah. chat has said um, homework services as a means to reinforce classroom instruction, cultivate independent study habits underpinned by Catholic virtues and encourage students to develop responsibility and time management in alignment with our faith based education. One frequency. In God, this is actually quite um, detailed. Yeah. Language, arts and history. Three. Wow. It must be um, taking it, it must be harvesting ideas from humans. Oh, it <laughs> does. I mean, good homework policies. Yes. Yeah. No, that, that's what it does, basically. It's but quite scary. But then again, why reinvent the wheel if someone else has already written it? Sounds good. Yeah. Jacqueline said, so I actually went home that evening and typed out the policy. Then at oh, the staff okay. meeting on Wednesday, the principal proceeded to spell out the policy to all the other teachers based on what I wrote. It's kind of funny. He sat down and smiled at me and then proceeded to give the lesson. He never actually said a word to me. The thing is, we really teach that it's the duty of state um, of a student to work hard academically. And we actually require one and a half to two hours of homework from the levels I teach. We tell the students what the average amount of time they should spend on each assignment and we let them know uh, that that's minimum for an average student. If you struggle or if you're trying to get an A, you may have to put in more time. And there it is. Yeah. Um, it is one minute past the hour. You are listening to The Early Show with your hostess, Fiorella de Maria and Sarah Taylor. If you've missed the show so far, never fear. You can get the whole of The Early Show as a podcast, same day from crusademax.com. And today we have been talking about, in no particular order, a storm in a teacup. PG Tips has claimed it's produced a wonderful blend which only needs to be brewed for 60 seconds, causing outrage from all the tea associations around the UK who claim it's an insult to tea time. It is also National Online Learning Day, National Tackle Kids Cancer Day, National Cheese Toast, National Double Cheeseburger, National Linguini and National POW Recognition Day. I don't know what MIA stands for, sorry. It's also Agatha Christie's birthday, the birth of the mail order industry, Make a Hat Day, and it's also the anniversary of the, the believe it or not, the death of Brunel and the opening in 1830 of the first major railway intercity railway network. Unfortunately, it was also the anniversary in 1830 at the same event of the death of the first person to be hit by a train. That's a little unfortunate. Yes, at the, at the big ceremony. <laughs> yes, I wasn't even going to mention this because it was so unfortunate. Um, they had a big ceremony when they opened this this train network. It's huge. I mean, massive, massive event. I'm trying to think, like the launch of the first airline or something like that where did george, it happen Fiala? it was the manchester to liverpool railway uh -huh. george stevenson famously came from 
humble beginnings. He was illiterate until he was 18. He lived in a whole room with his a room with his whole family. Um, but he was the one who um, who who achieved this, became a great engineer. And yes, during the ceremony in 1830 to open this railway line, um, William Huskinson, a politician, became the first person to be killed by a train because he crossed the track to shake hands with the Duke of Wellington. Oh, gosh. Because they had no concept at the time of how quickly trains move. No, that's right. Um, and that is why on British platforms, railway platforms these days, there is a white line painted yeah. along the edge. And it's a kind of do not cross this line. Um, most people know not to jump onto the tracks these days, but at the time it was just a bit like crossing a road as far as he was concerned, I suppose. And a uh, horse might come, you have plenty of time. <laughs> yes. So, um, yeah. Oh, MIA is missing in action. Ada I Bellamy. thought that's what it meant, yeah. Sorry, right, okay. Um, so we're celebrating all those who are missing in action today. Well, remembering. Or where they are. Yeah, no, rem I suppose remembering all those who never came home and... There's no way of knowing why, you know, that that's, uh, I, I guess Our that's the... And the war. Yes, indeed. Yeah. Yes, that's a quite serious, I guess, mm -hmm. origin of the phrase. People use it now to just point out that someone is, you know, taking too many breaks or something. Yeah. Um, I think yeah. you call it missing in action. So we probably also use that term. We also use the term missing presumed lost. Um, which I think was used because there was always an assumption if a person was unaccounted for in battle that they were gone. Um, yeah. Because if they'd been taken prisoner, they were usually the the, the name was usually reported back to their regiment. Um, so it was, I suppose it was probably to try to lessen if it was if it were possible to do so the pain of the family. Um, but I, I think it's it's really important to remember because. I mean, I've mentioned Great Uncle John before, but my husband's great uncle was shot down somewhere off, over the North Sea, and they didn't know until very recently exactly what had happened. Of course, they knew he was dead. They, they knew yeah. the plane. The plane never came home. Therefore, he and the crew were presumed lost. But it was only when the remains of the the aircraft were dug up by an archaeology, um, an archaeological association. And they found the number on the wing and they knew exactly which plane it was and which crew yeah. was in that plane. And they found his cigarette case and various other things that they were able to say for sure what had happened to him. So his sister, who died uh, a few years before they found the wreckage, never knew. Um, so I think it is important that we remember. Those and where words. was the wreckage, um, Fiala? It was actually over the Netherlands. He never got as far as the North Sea. They thought mm -hmm. he'd been shot down over the North Sea because a lot were. Um, and this, um, no, sorry, it was, oh, it was, Bel I think it was actually a Belgian organisation. They found it in one of the, where, where is it has the dikes? That's the Netherlands, isn't it? Yeah, the Netherlands. Yeah, the Netherlands, sorry. They found it in, I think it was one of the, one of the, um, uh, one of the the river channels when it was oh. they they found it there's there's there are whole organisations um, on the continent that are dedicated to trying to locate these things yeah. um, to you know uh, wrecked aircraft um, vessels you know, mass graves there's been a big mass grave recently found in France and that was because of yeah. the persistence of a or local organisation and I was very touched that they do that because they did a whole BBC documentary about it about how they raise it. It's a huge operation to, to raise the wreckage and they have to do it very carefully because sometimes all that they find is, say, a wedding ring. 
or yeah. something, something very small, but it means a lot to the family. And the man was talking, he said, you know, the, the British pilots, you know, they, they, they gave their lives for our freedom. So we regard this as a debt of honour uh, that we have to try to help the families. And they had a little ceremony uh, for you know, the um, his niece um, went out there and received a medal on his behalf uh, and things like that. So it was, it, they do it properly. They, they really do it properly. There are a lot of dedicated volunteers who do this. Um, yeah, that's very, it's very touching. It already seems so remote, the idea that we and our families have to literally sacrifice our lives. Mm. Uh, I hope we don't get tested like that, but God bless those brave, those yeah. brave people. And you know, you know that crew because they, they have you know they have a picture of the whole of the crew because they always got photographed in front of their Spitfire. Yeah. They were from all over the world. Yeah, they were British. There was a New Zealander, a Canadian. Um, so this was something that you know it, it, there are families all over the world wondering what happened. You know, yeah. so I think, and I know in the states you've got. I'm sure that there must still be people missing from Vietnam, from Korea. Yeah, just a little bit, obviously a long time ago, but more recently in your history than the Second World War here. So, yes, absolutely. We you know we, we should remember. And POWs, again, it feels like a different world, but many men, men went through that ordeal. So the, the fact that it's on the same day as National Cheese Toasty Day, I, I just <laughs> I, can't, I can't quite make the, the, leap of, the leap of imagination. But there we go. Um, so, you know. I think, yes, let's remember. Let's definitely remember. Whew, right. Moving swiftly on. Well, I suppose not quite moving on. Having talked about uniform, another rather odd phenomenon that is being talked about a lot at the moment is that a record number of children are absent from school on yes, any one day. Yeah. Uh, and I wonder whether two of yours are counted into those numbers. What do you think? No, no, no. <laughs> if you homes... removed them from the vault. Yeah. But, um, no, yeah. this is not. This is actually talking about children who are registered with schools. Yes. Who are routinely absent. Yes. Those numbers have massively increased since lockdown. And the point has been made that in the last year, 40,000 teachers left the profession. For reasons other than retirement, just in the last year, 40,000 teachers decided to quit. And the point's being made that if teachers can't bear it, then the likelihood is a lot of pupils can't bear it either. We need to be asking, having having had a wonderful, blissful taste of homeschooling and not having to deal with the stresses and sometimes the boredom of school. You know, is it a huge surprise that more and more children are saying no to school? And what, what are we doing wrong? Mm. <laughs> where, <laughs> where, do you, where do you even start? What to pick up? Uh, that would be the absolute ideal scenario, Fiona, that they loved homeschooling so much that they just want to continue. I mean, it would be lovely to believe that that were the case. Sadly, that won't be the case with no. all these children. Um, it, may not be, it may not be so much that they enjoyed homeschooling, but that they did not enjoy school or just got got used to the idea that you don't have to go to school when that is the first time that's ever happened. Yeah, absolutely. Um, they might be suffering from agoraphobia or any other amount of mental health conditions because it's not natural to be at home and not with your peers, you know, as, as what happened during the lockdown. 
mm. sadly, there's a lot of, you know, negative consequences of that. And then they might be in a completely chaotic environment where nobody gets them to school. And, yeah. you know, all, all structure broke down again during the pandemic mm. and has not been restored. Yeah, there is certainly the, there's certainly the possibility, isn't there, that children are not get are not going to school. I mean, the the implication of the study is that children are simply refusing, that sort of school refusal is on the up. But with we've got a situation over here where more and more school transport is being cut and has been cut. So children who are living in poorer areas and more remote areas may find it harder to get to school. And that itself is becoming burdensome. But might it just be that there is a problem with school structure itself? Is there something that children are legitimately saying no to? Or is it just that, you know, we are maybe making it too easy for children to be absent from school? I certainly don't think we're making it too easy because I know you know as a parent that you're not allowed to take your children out for the holiday without receiving a big fine um, mm -hmm. it's become a lot harder for parents to have autonomy uh, yeah. in recent years and that was a deliberate change by the UK government mm, yes, uh, it used to be yeah it used to be a lot easier to wangle a bit of a holiday in term time because of course the cost is so much higher of going anywhere in the holidays um, but in recent years they've come down much harder on parents who do take holiday during term yeah uh, and parents have actually been taken to court if mm. their children are either out of school or refusing school. So, no, I don't think it's easier, quite the contrary. I think we've got a lot more authoritarianism around this issue. And, uh, gosh, Fiorella, so many <laughs> potential threads you could pick up here. Mm, I, I mean, there are so many. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there, there are so many reasons why children may be refusing school. I suppose the first thing that I found a shock was that, I mean, whatever my feelings about school, the idea of saying no never really occurred to me. The idea that you just would say I'm not going to school because everyone no. went to school, you went to school. It was just one of, I, I just remember you just took it for granted. Whatever hellhole you thought you were going into, you went. I, I don't I don't remember no even, I don't even remember it being up for discussion that you didn't go. So that's the first big surprise I had. But I suppose one thing my children talk about those who are at school is that they feel that a lot of the school day is taken up with useless activities like you know assemblies and citizenship classes and meet what is it well-being classes and things like that and they I and mean, my daughter said you know before she homeschooled said, why did I have to spend half an hour every morning coloring things in Mm, yeah. Why did why did that have to be part of the school timetable? Why can't why can't you just go into school and learn? Well, have your academic subjects, you know. On the one hand, Fiorella, I sympathise <laughs> with your daughter, and um, yes, you know some frustrating experiences. On the other hand, one could point out that this is in fact part of the point of school. It prepares you for life. And in life, you have to do many things that you would not choose, that you may find annoying or pointless, but you're part of a big group and it has to happen and, you know, it prepares us for life. So you're having <laughs> boredom classes to educate children in the art of being bored? Well, yeah, I mean, if we can't cope with being bored, that is, you know, somewhat of a disability to our adult life, I think. 
Well, um, the ability to tolerate situations that you find boring, that's yeah. certainly, I will admit that is something I found when I was supervising people in an office environment. I did notice the people who'd been homeschooled had real problems managing boredom. You know, if they didn't find a task a task interesting, that they would get fed up and give up quite quickly. Because one of the benefits, but possibly negatives of homeschooling, is yeah. you know you can structure your learning in such a way that you don't get bored. The child no. doesn't get bored. Which is great in one way, as you say. I mean, I think everything has its benefits and its drawbacks, doesn't it? And I think mm. no doubt children who are being homeschooled, properly homeschooled, not just left to stew by themselves in a house, you know, obviously not referring to your children, but children who are being actually homeschooled, it's a wonderful advantage for them. They can have a curriculum that's tailored to them. They can have one-to-one -one attention. The level they're at will always be their level, the level that they're working at. So, mm. so many wonderful advantages, but I suppose school, which has those drawbacks, in other ways prepares you for actual life, you know, mm. which is not always um, brilliant. And we sometimes have to comply with pointless, stupid things and, you know, or be in a group that's entirely different to us uh, mm. and wants to do something that's, you know, not at all nice for us. I don't know. These, you know, managing the negatives is also a life skill. And I, and as with so many things with children, we're always trying to find that balance, aren't we? Yeah. Of protecting them from too many negatives whilst helping them to, you know, develop resilience. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I can, I can see that. I can see the argument both ways. Dr. Torres, that is quite a double. Is that a double cheeseburger in honour of Double Cheeseburger Day? That looks like a double cheeseburger with bacon. I'm not sure this is allowed on Friday, you know, but gosh, it does. Maggie's saying those patties look burnt. I can't really tell from the, um, maybe the, the angle of my screen. Oh, is yeah, I that way. Say, but maybe a bit barbecued. Maybe, is, it, is it sort of char-grilled? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah um, Maggie's saying that we do have um, truancy laws here in the States. The child has to miss a lot of school before anything like that kicks in. There isn't anything that will prevent a parent from taking their kids out for a week for vacation well to be um, honest I think that's better Maggie in my personal opinion I think it goes too far in this country yeah. well um, we have I mean this is where I'm, I'm finding it so difficult to comprehend that more and more children are refusing to go to school because at my children's school now admittedly it was, I think it was regarded as the it was best school, best comprehensive school in the region or something. And they, right. they do set very high standards. They get very good academic results. So I don't know how representative they are. But at my children's school, if they missed more than, I think, 90 percent. No, sorry. If they were at school, at school for 90 percent or less of the time. You got a red letter and literally yeah, their attendance. Standard. Yeah. And again, that's not the school's policy. That comes from the government. The mm. school has no choice. They well, have we, that. well, see, we got we got one of these letters once because right. yeah. one of my children, a combination of illness and ice skating commitments, meant yeah. that she yeah. missed a lot of school. This was pre-COVID. And we got this red letter with a threat saying, you know, if this does not improve, the education welfare officer will be in touch with you. And it seemed to be needlessly heavy handed. And we wrote quite a sharp email back saying, you know, 
um, she had to stay off school for this because you have to be out, you have to be quarantined for so many days and, 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 and they wrote back a sort of conciliatory, slightly hurt sounding letter saying, you know, this is, um, this is government policy. Um, we please be assured of our um, good intentions here and all of the rest. Um, but it did seem to be a sort of, you know, boxing glove being thrown at you. Um, anyway, we, we've got to go. Sorry, the, the, um, the show has suddenly come to an end and, um, I'll leave you with Cesare saying we should not force children to go to school. Discuss. We'll pick up the conversation <laughs> on Monday. Anyway, it has been my absolute pleasure to have you back on the show, Sarah. Thank you so much for joining thank us. Thank um, Don't forget to write to me at Fiorella at crusadechannel.com and our call-in telephone number is 844-527-8723. And the King Dude is currently absent without leave, um, but I gather that KV Turley will be filling in, so please give him a warm welcome. You are listening to The Crusade Channel, talk show radio the way it should be. 8723 and the king dude is currently absent without leave um but i gather that kv turley will be filling in so please give him a warm welcome you are listening to the crusade channel talk show radio the way it should be